The Spin-Off Podcast Network. Are you making the most of your KiwiSaver investment? Generate is an award-winning KiwiSaver provider with a track record of strong long-term performance. Making a smart decision now could add tens of thousands of dollars by the time you reach retirement. Book a no-obligation chat with a Generate KiwiSaver advisor today at generatekiwisaver.co.nz slash advice. A copy of the product disclosure statement is available at generatekiwisaver.co.nz. The issuer of the scheme is Generate Investment Management Limited and, of course, past performance does not guarantee future returns. Ready to rediscover the joys of cycling? With over 300 kilometres of cycle paths across Tamaki Makoto, jumping on your bike and going for a ride is such a fun way to discover the city from a different perspective. Cycling is getting more and more popular across Auckland, so now's a great time to join the hype and give cycling a go. Head to at.govt forward slash cycling to find your nearest cycleway today. Nair is public interest journalism funded through New Zealand on air. No mai, haere mai, whakatau mai rā, he kōna e pūrangi tēnei, e pāna ki te ao Māori, me te ao hurihuri. I'm Leonie Hayden, this is a podcast about being Māori in the modern world. In the lead up to Waitangi Day, we're talking about the other side of the treaty partnership. You know, the non-Māori one. Welcome to Nair. Welcome back to our first show, Ite Tauru Mano Ruatakaumarua. On today's episode, we have for the first time, and let's be honest, probably the last non Māori Manuhiri, Tawiwi Manuhiri, and that is because we're talking about the other side of the treaty partnership, not the Māori side, but the Crown side. Yep, there's two teams in this sports game in this hearty game of sports. I don't know enough about sports to do a sports metaphor. <laughs> uh, but we know that Te Tiriti was first signed on February 6th in 1840 by Rangatira from some, but not all, iwi Māori and representatives of the Crown, including William Hobson. Big Willie H was the Queen's Consul. He co-wrote Te Tiriti. Um, and it was this uh, covenant between Māori and Queen Victoria that allowed British immigration to Aotearoa. We now know that the conditions of that document weren't upheld. Um, instead of cohabitation, the Crown decided to conquer and usurp. Uh, Iwi and Hapu have spent decades and decades trying to get this document to stand up our claims to our whenua and our citizenship, even though that birthright predates the Crown by many centuries, uh, and to use this document to right some wrongs. Um, but largely, those conversations are between Māori and the government, public servants, lawyers, so many lawyers. But what does tutility actually mean for our non-Māori citizens? What are their obligations? What are their rights under tutility? Tangata tutility is a term that has been in use for a while that describes everyone who lives in Aotearoa that isn't Māori or tangata whenua. I personally like this term a lot. Uh, to me, it describes someone who is part of this place, someone that has obligations to it and to their fellow citizens, but it respects that there are different ways of belonging to these lands. And so today we're chatting with two Tawiwi Tangata Tiriti who embody those values, who self-identify as Tangata Tiriti. Um, and I'll, I'll add here that both of our guests were very reluctant to be guests 
because they're both wary of taking up space on a Māori platform. They know that it's not their place to lead a conversation in our spaces. And, like, that's what makes them, you know, great friends and allies. Um, however, as a Māori woman, and I'm sure my co-hosts agree, I'm actually really curious about how they see the world and about their message to other Pākehā and Tauiwi. Um, kind of like a David Attenborough kind of vibe as well, like the Tawiwi ally in their, in their environment. Um, so we, we invited them here, we cajoled them here, we hereby release them from their whakamaa. Be bold, say what you need to, it might be your only chance. Um, so stick around after the break. Te Kuru will be talking to writer, filmmaker, fellow podcaster and excellent person Julie Zhu. Um, about her work with the group Asians for Tino Rangatiratanga. Uh, then Te Kuru Miriana and I will be joined by producer Lillian Hanley to talk about her unique whānau and what it's like growing up in both worlds as Pākehā. Hiya kua see you after the break. Tēnā koutou katoa ko te kuru o te marama dews tēnei. I'm joined by Julie Zhu, tangata tiriti, producer, creative, filmmaker. Tēnā koe hoa, nau mai ki te hōtaka. Tēnā koe hoa. Nā, he hato whakapapa, paku kōrero whakapapa. No hea koe, tell us about yourself. I whānau mai au i haina, i te taone nui o Sian, i hunuku mai ki Aotearoa, ki tāma ki makaurau, i te wā e whā tōku pakeke. Mm, nei tipu mai i reira, you grew up in tāma ki? Yeah. Yeah, I grew up in Tamaki. Now, jumping straight into it, you are someone who is pro Kopapa Māori. Yahai Perai. What was it about your upbringing or the experiences that you had um, that have led you uh, to where you are today? I think it was first learning te reo that led me more into um, wanting to understand more about te ao Māori and after that, issues um, of Kopapa Māori and the wider issues that affect Ngai Māori. Um, so... Yeah, I think I had always been interested in te reo, like um, even at primary school, the waiata that you learn and just the little kapu, I always remembered that. At Intermediate, I had this teacher um, who would make us do a karakia at the start and the end of every day. Um, even though she wasn't Māori, she was Samoan, but she made, just normalised that for us. Um, and then I tried to learn when I was at high school, um, but just didn't get very far. And then at uni, I tried again to learn and... Um, ended up doing a diploma of language. So at first it was just the real, like I just thought it was an interesting language to learn and didn't really understand any of the history and the wider impacts and stuff. But um, I think through learning te reo, you understand more of the perspective of a people and even concepts of like land ownership, like what that means um, from a Māori context versus a Pākehā context, um, all these differences and I think around the time of uni, I was also learning more about systemic issues, um, issues of race, indigeneity, and yeah, I started learning more about colonisation and um, the impacts of that that is still ongoing today. And after that, started moving a little bit towards activism through uh, meeting up with other people who were similar to me, like grew up Asian and had a particular experience um, focusing on that part of our identity uh, and then starting to understand why that was because of how systemic issues work here in Aotearoa. So meeting other people led to the start of that, um, the formation of our Asian supporting Tino Rangatiratanga. And yeah, from there, 
it's just an ongoing journey. Like I don't think I'm finished in my learning at all. Mm. Tēnā koe era, whakamārama. Tell us a little bit about that rōpū, Asians for Tinoranga Siratanga. What's the, what's the kaupapa behind it? Uh, I think the kaupapa is all in the name, so we're just a bunch of people. Um, there's no formal organisational, um, like there's no funding or anything behind it. It's just a collective of people who feel that <clears throat> we have an obligation as Tawiwi or as Tangata Tiriti to um, understand the history of this whenua because we live here, because we benefit from living here and because we are still complicit in the ongoing struggles that Māori face here. So it's not just saying we are pro kaupapa Māori, but we are really interested in wider issues of how can sovereignty be returned to Māori, how can land be returned to Māori, how can the damages that colonisation had be remediated. Mm, mm. Yeah, it's interesting. Do you think, I mean, what are your thoughts on racism? Obviously, you're not blind to it uh, with having an Asian background here in Aotearoa. From your perspective, I want to hear. Yeah, I mean, I think there's lots of different types of racism. So there's the more overt racism, like name calling and um, the stuff that's easy to recognise. And then there's the more covert racism. There's institutional racism or systemic racism, like we see in the justice system or education, health, the inequities that Māori in particular face. And then I think there's also internalised racism that we face when we grow up not wanting to be our own identities because of how we've mm. seen um, that perpetuated in the media or stereotyped. Mm. So, yeah, I think, I don't know, I grew up with a lot of internalised racism, which I feel like I talk about all the time. Um, and I think Aotearoa is getting better at recognising the overt stuff, the overt racism and these campaigns, like the Human Rights Commission campaigns, give nothing to racism. It's all tackling the overt stuff because it's easy to spot. But I think it's much harder for people here to recognise the institutional and systemic stuff. But I do think that there has been a change in the last few years and people are more and more open to learning about that. Yeah. I guess it's hard, especially for Pākehā, when that's what this country's built on, systemic racism. Um, but, yeah, you're right. I think there has been a big... From my own tirohanga, I've seen a big shift. Um, hopefully, we keep progressing down that pathway. Uh, but what are your thoughts on this concept or this term, tangata tiriti? Yeah, I think the term is a good way of reminding people who aren't tangata whenua that we're here because of tiriti, that this is the first immigration document of Aotearoa and it gives us a right to be here and um, within that we need to really understand what it means and not because I think people often talk about the principles of tetiriti without understanding what the articles actually say and um, especially the point that Māori have sovereignty and that was never ceded. But yeah, I think that's really hard to comprehend for a lot of people and what it means for us living in a country where the government is not, does not represent that. What are the milestones? How do you um, describe to someone who's new to the concept of tangata tiriti what they should be striving towards in order to embody that identity? Because that's quite a, that's always an ongoing conversation and I think feel like the goalposts will be shifting as people become more aware and, you know, you can't get there on your first go sort of thing. So how do we explain or how do you describe it to someone? What what should they be striving to be? I think um, that word ongoing is the point of it, that it's not a point that you get to, but it's always ongoing. And I think 
your metaphor of the goalposts will keep shifting. I think that's a good thing. Like, I think we should be pushed to be better and better as the definition of what a good tangata tiriti, whatever that means, um, does change. Like, I don't think it's an end point because uh, I think I'm still learning and I think I'm still making mistakes and not doing what I could be doing better. Um, so I think to be a good tangata tiriti means being open to criticism, being open to being challenged, to be humble and just to absorb that and think about why people might react in a certain way and try to keep learning on your own and never get defensive about it. Because I think it's really easy to be defensive when you're like, I'm trying really hard. Why can't people see that? But it's just taking a view of like individualism, like thinking about your own impacts as opposed to how is this reflecting an ongoing society-wide change that can lead to something really good later. Yeah, so I think it's just the, the ongoingness. Yeah, I always crack up. It's, a lot of it, it's online eh? because people haven't integrated or found points to engage with real community in real time. And there's always this uh, urgency sometimes from um, newcomers who are like, yep, I'm here now. Let's let's solve this. And it's like, oh, whoa, whoa. <laughs> this is uh, over 200 years you know, in the making. So just have a seat and let's let's ride it out. <laughs> what do you think about, um, you've talked about te reo as being one of your pathways to decolonization, if you like, or, you know, growing awareness. And w- what does that mean to you, te reo? Why are you passionate about it? You have a uh, an obvious love for te reo and, and our many interactions. I've seen that um, and that's one of the characteristics um, of you, I think, that is so strong in terms of your tangata tiriti identity. And so how, what does it mean for you, te reo? Yeah, I think the way I look at te reo now is quite different probably to how I looked at it a few years ago or when I first started. But I really see my journey of learning te reo as like a huge privilege now because I recognise how few Māori get to um, have that opportunity. Or, you know, we've talked about people we know who have to take a whole year of their life mm. out and pay huge fees in order to reclaim what should just be mm. natural. And I really see how much, yeah, that it's a privilege for me to have learnt um, late earlier on when um, it was more accessible in a way for people because now there's been this new wave of everyone wanting to learn and I think one element, like I often say that when, when we do our workshops, our ASTA workshops, um, and we do a final circle and we talk about what is the next steps that people want to do to take this journey further. And so many people talk about wanting to enroll in serial courses. And then we have a big conversation about, is that the most appropriate thing? And how is this benefiting you um, versus others? And it's, it's hard, I feel like it's hypocritical for me to say, but I feel like one thing I want people to be um, aware of, tangata, um, tiriti or non-Māori to be aware of, is just how much space we can take up in these arenas when it is, there are still so many barriers. And I know you and I have probably actually talked about this and had our little disagreements or not disagreements, chats about this. Um, <laughs> yeah, which there are lots of viewpoints to this. Um, and it's not saying that uh, non-Māori shouldn't learn te reo, but I think the main point is always acknowledging what a huge privilege it is and making space where possible, supporting the real journeys of others, never boasting about how much you have. And that's something I'm always aware of. I never want to make people feel bad for not having 
had access to something that I had access to. And I know in the past I have, like I've seen comments um, or people have said things like, yeah, you make me feel fuckama for not having learned. Like I've seen that sort of phrase be said and I hate that I've created a scenario where someone had to feel really bad about that. And I can empathise from a perspective of still not being able to speak Mandarin very well either. So anyways, that's sort of how I view te reo now, which is not in a... um, not like in super negative sense, but just more of a sense of duty of passing that on and making it easier. And yeah, I think if non-Māori want to be learning te reo, that they should be championing more resources for reo education so that they aren't taking those spaces away. Mm. No, awesome, kōrero. It is about access now, isn't it? About access and being inclusive of Māori to... to have access to their own real, and I think that's a there's there's a lot more quarter around it these days because of this um, huge uh, growing awareness and and keenness for non Māori to learn te reo. I think it's more of a, an issue now than it ever has been. So I think we're just going through those motions and we'll figure out some sort of rotaki. Um, I've certainly got some ideas around how we could do it, uh, and we'll and we'll see that change hopefully you know, sooner rather than later. But e mihi ana kia koe, uh, i roto i au mahi, uh, tō whai te reo, me tō tū hei, hei māngai, uh, mō ngā uh, tāngata tiriti, e tū ana hei tangata tiriti. So, yeah, tēnā koe, i whai wahi mai ki tēnei hōtaka, te hora mai, te whera mai o whakaaro, uh, no mātou o ne te whiwhi. Just thank you, Ehoa, for your time and everything that you do with your ropu and in your own mahi as well, having these conversations uh, sometimes awkward conversations, but these things that Aotearoa really needs to just uh, face up to and figure out. So thank thank you again for your time and your and your matauranga. Oh, e mihi ana kia koe, kia koutou, ko Leone, ko Mariana, um, o tēnei hōtaka um, rawe, rawe rawatu. Quoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. I'm back with the co-hosts with the mo-mosts, Tukuru and Miriana Tēnā kōroa. Welcome back for 2022, you two. Kia ora. Is it too late in Jan to say ngā mihi o te tauhau? Nah, go nah. on. Nah. Ngā mihi o te hararei. Tēnā tātou. Uh, Tēnā tātou te uh, ko whai mahi anō mo tētai atu tau. Mm. <laughs> He's nice and relaxed after a bit of a break. So good. So relaxed. Had three weeks of like lounging around in the sun, back at home in Tato Ihu, eating lots of kaimwana. That just sounds, that's unreal. What, <laughs> sun in Tato Ihu? In three weeks. <laughs> oh, I know. Yeah, it was the longest holiday I've ever had. So good. Me koe I'm just grateful. Grateful to be back at Mahi. To have Mahi this year uh, with everything going on, all the feeling for all the artists and musos at this time, but just grateful to be here and excited for a good quarter today. Oh, true. Oh, my gosh. All the festivals that have been cancelled 
Um, we are delighted to introduce uh, to the chat this week Lillian Hanley. Kia ora hoa. Tēnā koe. Tēnā No mai hoa. Lil's a political producer for TVNZ. She's worked in media a while, student radio, the hui. Uh, but we asked Lil to be on the show today because of her unique whānau and her position within that whānau. Lillian is Pākehā, but her first language is Te Reo Māori. We're going to let Lil introduce herself in her own words. Ko wai koe e hoa? No, tēnā koe, Leoni. Uh, tēnā tātou katoa anō nei ngā mihi uh, o te tauhau Pākehā me ki o ngā mihi uh, o tēnei wao hene raumati ki a koutou katoa. Uh, yes, indeed. My name is Lillian and I am Pākehā and my first language was te reo Māori. That is um, usually the way I actually introduce myself as a way, I suppose, of uh, drawing a bit of a line in the sand, um, but also, I guess, showing that there's a bit of a foot in both worlds mm. in a way. Uh, my whānau, yeah, is is an interesting one, and you don't really come across that sort of makeup um, all the time. Definitely more so these days, I would say, but I, I haven't met many people my age uh, in the same situation. So I had two mums and a dad, uh, my two mums were together, and my dad uh, was a was a donor, I suppose, if you want to use that word. Although he was my dad from day dot, and he's still my dad today, um, in terms of having a relationship. But um, my sort of nuclear family, and I'm putting that in quotation marks for those <laughs> who can't see, is my uh, two mums and my five other siblings, I suppose. And I have a Pakia mum and a Maori mum, and I uh, was given birth to. I was uh, <laughs> the birth child of my Pākehā mum, whereas my Māori mum was uh, the birth mother of my older brothers. Uh, so they are Māori, I am Pākehā. And this is a really, really long-winded introduction, I have to say, um, but it kind of goes to show that there is a whakapapa difference, perhaps, Aye. between me and my siblings, who, yes, are all Māori. Aye. I've had, um, you know, mutual acquaintances of ours that you've worked with describe your whanau as like the perfect New Zealand family. <laughs> <laughs> really? Because, I mean, it's it's really common for, and I know that Mariana feels me on this, we, we are Māori and we walk in both worlds. You know, we've been very much lived in Te Pākehā whilst having whakapapa Māori. But you don't often see it go the other way. There aren't that many Pākehā that live in Te Māori. No. What are your thoughts on the term tangata tiresi to start with? Oh, okay, we're diving in there. All yeah, right. yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, this is this is a whakaro I've been mulling over the past year uh, and I think that uh, the term Pākehā or the identity Pākehā was actually really, really important uh, at a point and I think um, my mum of that generation, that was really necessary to actually identify that um, and also, you know, raise a level of obligation or a responsibility attached to the term Pākehā. Um, but I think more so now, and perhaps this is where, you know, my generation and others kind of come into pushing that obligation further, I think that it's actually, it's really important now to recognise that, yeah, we, Pākehā are part of actually a wider grouping of people and that's where I think the term tangata tiriti is really important and I'm quite, um, I'm quite invested in the term actually and, and I think it's, it's, 
perhaps in its beginning stages of it and it's something that actually we're yet to fully define or we're yet to fully be able to show or embody what it could actually mean for Aotearoa. I think it's like I think it's like the next step. So so I, I kinda wanna I'm talking to it in terms of my relationship to how I kind of came to that term and it's and I see it as a bit of a you could talk about a, a fuck up perhaps in that history of terminology but also action, right? Because actually what these names and what these identities mean, at least for me, is is an action. You, you kind of can't just go around passively saying yeah I'm Pākehā or yeah I'm Tangata Tiriti. It's got to be, it's got to be active. Mm. Tiahi pointed out earlier that um, his interpretation of Tangata Tiriti, which I really appreciated, was um, placing Pākehā alongside, as you say, other cultures that have come to this country and putting them in partnership with Māori so that it's no longer like a, a supremacy, I suppose, you know. It's a perfect partnership 100%. of everyone in us. Yeah, I yeah, love that. Because this is, this is what I, like I've sort of been seeing that there's this building idea that Pākehā are special because we whatever, were the first ones that signed or whatever it might be, whatever reason, but it mm. totally links into whiteness and all of these other things that are going on at the same time, which continues to put us up on a higher pedestal and actually, no, that's not how it should be. Now, I think we always need to remember or remind ourselves and remind Pākehā and especially as we move into this conversation further in the future, and there is more awareness around Pākehā being part of the non-Māori rōpū, but that Pākehā, in my view anyway, is still um, what they have in common is the the privilege, as as the I, I feel as the most privileged group who benefit from colonisation. And over time, we might see that uh, change as mm. you know more uh, probably not with borders closed, but. Um, as people move and shift around, but at the moment I still feel like Pākehā definitely are uh, complicit in furthering that superior uh, hierarchy that has been there since um, the arrival. So, but yeah, I hear what you're saying, Lillian, that we have to, it's it's a tricky uh, conversation to navigate and, and me, I can't, I'm still, can't get past the term Kiwi. We're talking about Tangata Tiriti and I keep thinking about the term Kiwi. And I was wondering whether or not to talk about it in this quarter because to me that's the identity that non-Māori certainly are striving for and and it's um, a term that's very much removed from the um, from Te Tiriti and I feel like it'll take some time before this this term Tangata Tiriti is, is adopted with that same uh, aspirational value that that Kiwi has sort of. Um, if Tangata Tiriti is the sort of politicised term, then Kiwi is the commercialised buzzy bee swan drives. Like it's mm. all the really superficial stuff Aye. that makes up non-Māori or Pākehā identity. Totally stripped mm. of any responsibility, any obligation. Aye. That's, mm. And that's where I'd put the passive and active, right? You can easily tap into this identity of Kiwi without doing much, whereas if you're going to engage with tangata tiriti, and I really appreciate what you say there, te kuru, like it's it's going to require some shifting of power, um, but also just shifting of ways that we engage and that we think and that we acknowledge. And, and if we're going to be part of that wider grouping of peoples who are in relationship with Māori, yeah, we're, at the moment it's not an equal uh, grouping. And, and so, yeah, a lot of work to be done. Tina Ngata wrote a really good um, piece about... Tangata Tiriti, um, and in that piece she sort of asked, uh, we don't need Tawiwi 
to be Māori, to be Tangata Tiriti. Um, like, obviously, we'd love you to understand our deal because that's an insight into who we are. But we don't need you to be Māori. We need you to be good Tangata Tiriti. Um, yeah. But I'm really curious about what that's like to navigate Lowell as a kid because you're a smart woman and you've you can articulate these things now, but I, as a as a kid and speaking the real and walking in Del Māori, that would have been like a lot harder for you to articulate. Like, how did you express to others who were sort of curious about who you were? I do think that for a long period of time, it, you know, it was normal speaking te reo, being in that context, it was very, very normal uh, to me. And I don't think that there was sort of, I don't remember any kind of key moments where that was questioned um, or where I was, in terms of being treated um, differently, of course there were sort of lines drawn and that sort of thing, but in the wider context, uh, it, it wasn't something that I... I necessarily had to navigate. I think that my parents um, were very, very clear about who we were and what we were doing and why we were doing it. Um, you know, th- they were of a generation. Uh, my Māori mum didn't know Te Reo Māori growing up. She learnt that at school uh, and then carried that on through and then made the decision, obviously, to teach her children Te Reo Māori, uh, and also my brothers being Māori, you know, went right through Kura, and now we've got Mokopuna and the Fano, whose first language is Māori again. So there was a, you know, there's there's a journey in that, I suppose, and I don't really want to speak too much to to Mum's story because that's her story, but um, yeah, there was a conscious decision, and that was that when we were younger, um, and also my Pākehā mum, I will say, was really really clear with me that I was Pākehā and also telling me that that was not necessarily a bad thing, right? There's obviously connotations out there, stories about how that's been a bad thing, but she was really clear um, about who we were and where we came from and how that linked to Aotearoa, you know, how we came to be here. I do think there was probably a bit of a turning point in high school. This is just probably one of my early memories uh, where I can really uh, clearly state that there was that difference and I think it's just a useful story to tell um, in this context you know going through kohanga reo um, and then primary and intermediate uh, full immersion at high school my parents made the decision that my brothers they went to uh, te kura kaupapa maori o huani waititi um, but given that that was a kura I wasn't going to go there I ended up going to Auckland Girls Grammar School and then there was a maori unit in Auckland Girls Grammar School uh, but there was only a limited number of places and so again my parents decided that I would go into mainstream as a Pākehā person because it wouldn't be right to take up a space that a a Māori young wahine could have taken uh, in in that unit. So that was my first experience of mainstream again in quotation marks uh schooling fully in you know Pākehā of which you know I could speak and engage in sort of being able to you know do both by that point but uh it was a it was a shock like <laughs> like my mum talks about saying you know that she would tell me that I used to come home really sad Aww. like I was really 
quite shocked by it. They, I'd say things like, mum, they don't take their shoes off in class mm. and we don't even do karakia kai before going out for lunch or whatever. And I have to call everyone miss. Like, what is miss? You know, so it was, it was these little things, but they were really, really different to what I was used to. And actually, those couple of years at the beginning of high school, it was really quite a, a bit of a reckoning for me. I remember I basically attached myself to the the Pacifica girls at school because I was like, well, okay, here's people that I know and I can engage with and, you know, have similar whakaaro. And then I kind of like beat myself up and I was like, oh, Lillian, you're Pākehā, you know, you've got to go find out, what you know, what the Pākehā people are doing here. And so I engaged with some of the Pākehā girls at school. Find out about your people. And and I was like, this is also weird. (laughs) This is not really, you know, where I'm fitting. And so it wasn't actually till fifth form that I I really found some solid mates who I'm still mates with now who are both Pākehā and Māori. And at this point, actually, to add to the confusion, because I took Te Reo Māori as a language, as a way of, um, you know, staying in touch and engaging with that, the Māori teacher was like, you should be in you should be in the Māori unit, you know? Your whānau, your reo, all of that stuff, you should be in the Māori unit. Come on, come into the Māori unit. And I had to be like, no, Matua, you know, it, it, this is a line that, that should be drawn and I am going to stick to it. Um, possibly not as strong as I am now. Like I, like I will acknowledge it didn't, it, yeah, it didn't probably make that much sense to me then, but I was working through that understanding that actually there are places that didn't, I didn't need to occupy, basically. That really, that's really what it comes down to is that I didn't need to be in that space. It was created for a purpose of which I did not need. I had plenty of other spaces mm. that I could occupy and be comfortable in and keep learning and so on. And I think, I guess that transfer, transfers, like I've, I guess I've carried that on to now where I still will not accept or go for a role within like a Māori news organisation or, you know, a specific Māori reporter role, mm. for example. We released you to come on this podcast, obviously. <laughs> it's too curious not to let you just unleash. Um, I was wondering because, and I read that piece by Tina Ngata as well, and it was it's really, really good. And I loved that comment about don't try and be Māori because I'm sure we all have horror stories of uh, Pākehā who have, who who to be allies are trying to be Māori, but, you know, it's a kōrero for another day. But one of the things I'm really keen to get your whakaro on, Lillian, is because I think one of the big ways these days that a lot of Pākehā see is, you know, being a good ally is learning te reo. And obviously that's a really tricky thing because there are very limited places and there's lots of anecdotal kōrero coming out about Pākehā taking up places in language schools. So do you think that, like, is that one of those instances where you think Tangata Tiriti should actually step back and maybe just go by Scotty and Stacey's book book instead. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, nailed it. Um, this is also something, like, things change, right? Times change, context change. Uh, the way that people see things or engage and, and accept things even change, right? Like, if we were considering, I talked about how my mum and that sort of identifying as Pākehā back then was really, really important. And now I'm seeing a, a really, like an importance now to engage with tangata tiriti um, as a concept, as a as an identity, all those things where she might not be as familiar with um, 
for example. I think the little thing oh, is so key because, for, I mean, even just what five years ago at Student Radio, I was a big advocate for all journos to be engaging in some way with, you know, learning te reo or, or having some understanding, um, basic pronunci- pronunciation, all of these things. I was, I was a big advocate and I, and I, and I still am. Um, especially for those who work in media because it's such a massive, you know, broadcasting to our people, all of those sorts of things. There's many responsibilities that come with that and the least of which you can do is be able to say our names right, you know. Five years ago, though, I'm a little different as to how we go about doing that because, like you say, classes are full uh, and I will, and I'll never change this opinion probably, that first and foremost... Uh, those classes should be filled by Māori. They, it is their language, <laughs> it is their right to be able to access that uh, and to also be in safe places while going through the process of learning because there's also a lot of, you know, challenging emotional, you know, there's mamai that is attached to all of this that, that Pākehā do not carry and therefore can go to these classes with very little, uh, you know, emotional or otherwise things to be, to be reckoning with. You're not, you know, you're, you're not just, just learning a language. There's so much more to it than that. And so first and foremost, I think that, that you need to be checking as to whether you are taking up somebody else's space. And it just goes for so many things, but it is a great example. And I think the, the best thing you can do is, yeah, start by buying or accessing free resources that are not taking over uh, somebody else's opportunity or otherwise. Um, and then also just acknowledging, I just want to say a point on this because actually, yeah, Pākehā weren't really a big part of revitalising the deal. Māori have got this, you know? <laughs> Another thing about not being Māori but being good tawiwi, being good Pākehā, being good tangata tiriti, Māori have got this. They don't need us. Um, what we need to do is, of course, support that and out here being like, yeah, we're sorting our own stuff and we're doing our own thing and, and we can carry that and do that without impeding them, then that is obviously the best thing because also I hate the fact that Pākehā gets so much praise for having, you know, some deal on the TV or whatever it might be. There's so much praise that goes to Pākehā when I think there should be some acknowledgement for Māori who are also going through that process. Anyway, that was, yeah, I'm done now. Yeah, thank you, Lillian, for coming on near. Um, I found that really interesting. I feel like we could keep going for a while. I know. I say that every week. <laughs> um, to our Taiwiwi listeners, our Tangata Tiriti listeners, uh, I hope that was uh, interesting and informative for you all, um, that there were some lessons to take away from that, that you continue to talk to each other about these things. And as Lil says, Māori have got this. We do our do's in our spaces. Um, and now we're really keen um, for you guys to make your spaces, to discuss these things in your spaces and to get stuck into the mahi of being good tangata tiriti, nation building people. Uh, that's us for this week. Um, find us on wherever you listen to your podcast, Spotify, Apple Podcasts. Find us at uh, Instagram, Ned the Al Māori Podcast. 
Huge thanks, huge mahi to the Aihe Butler, our producer, this week and every week. Um, and we are going to see you guys again in a fortnight. We'll see you soon. Hey, akuane, hey, kona. NAIR is public interest journalism funded through New Zealand On Air and brought to you by the Spinoff Podcast Network. It was hosted and researched by Leonie Hayden with Te Kuru Jews and Mediana Johnson. NAIR was produced by Te Aihe Butler with senior production from Jane Yee and project management from Mark Kelleher. Kia ora e tewi, Te Aihe Butler here, podcast manager at The Spinoff. If you enjoy listening to our podcasts, consider supporting our mahi by signing up to become a spin-off member at thespinoff.co.nz slash donate. The Spin-Off Podcast Network.